Turn your turn your podcast voice on, Nathan. Let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the video show gets its own cold yeah, opens. You Just, podcast. You podcast with your shoulders. It's a lot in the shoulders. You know, you got to really like keep that loose. You keep your and when you bring your shoulders up, it pulls up your ribs, which actually put mm-hmm. more pressure on your diaphragm, which is where the power in your stomach comes from. You don't want to pull your shoulders up when you're breathing. It's an old brass technique. You drop those shoulders. All right. Breathe I'm in ready. the gut. The gut is where I breathe. All right. You got to shut up so I can do this. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm still Justin somehow. And here we are. It is approximately six million years since our last episode. Um, everything in the world happened. You were there. I was there. We were all uh, there. We lived in caves for a while, and I was briefly a feudal duke in northeast Georgia. But here we are again. <laughs> we're back. Um, it seems like it's been forever. We are going to do several off-season episodes. This first one is kind of just going to be getting back in the swing of things. We're going to do some updates. We're going to talk about <clears throat> podcast business. Cobwebs. Um, yeah, we're going to knock the cobwebs out, see if we we still got, you know. I, I feel like uh, I've been texting Justin a lot, and Justin finally got to the point where he was, you know, done with school. And I texted mm-hmm. him, and I said, I think we should record. And he was like all brawny and oiled up and he was like ripping cords of wood in half squinting at you like nathan is that you nathan. he had this giant he had this giant beard you know and he was just like steve rogersing like big things of wood in half in his in his backyard and he was like Man. oh football i remember that game <laughs> i remember um, and so here we are we're back we're back from the wilderness uh so yeah like i said we're gonna do a little bit of a looser episode today talk about some new stuff just general stuff that we haven't been able to talk about talk about some mm-hmm. life updates some podcast business updates early vibes for the season do some under overs over unders whatever you want to call them yeah uh, over one of those traditional you know it's it, they say it's like riding a bike but in the sense that i am good at riding the bike where i make a total ass of myself it's mm-hmm. true that I am immediately good at doing that, right? I'll say part of being in the woods and growing a beard and chopping wood and, and whatever else you said I did for so long, speaking of, you should really be my hype man whenever I have to go to any speaking engagements because <laughs> you also make up for any of the, you, you provide any excuses as to why it is I'm not exactly performing at whatever level I need to be performing at. But, you know, because of that, um, I, I don't know what happened in the off season, to be completely honest. I'm just going to come out and say it, which is probably a bad look for somebody who runs half of a, you know, a, a college football podcast. So I'm pretty excited to be a sweet little football baby and have you teach me all of the things that have happened and what I should know. How, what do you say? A little football, a little football cub. I'm the, My little the football sweet little cub. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would love to do that. So before we, before we get into that, let's do uh, a brief amount of podcast adjacent news mm-hmm. notes. Um, if you were listening to this on your favorite podcaster, a podcast haberdashery of choice, um, you don't know that we are probably, you probably don't know because no one's watching this right now, that we are streaming this live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We're going to start live streaming a lot of our recordings just because, you know, hashtag content or whatever, because Silicon Valley is ruining our lives <laughs> uh, and it's fun. And we think that it's, you know. There's a, there's a certain group of people that won't listen to it unless we do it this way, and there's a certain group of people who won't listen to it unless it hits their podcast app. So we're going to do both. So if you want to check that out, uh, we usually try to put it up on our Twitter 
you know, 30 to 45 minutes beforehand. We'll probably mm-hmm. be a little bit better about warning you um, Just in the future as we get into the season. Um, I also want to say that we're going to continue to do some live video stuff uh, this fall. Uh, our, our good friend Graham has has gone on to Greener Pastures and is working on uh, his own little video show over at Doc Sports Live and is doing, I would say, an excellent job. But we are going to still, in our own very humble way, try to do a little film review. We're going to get Josh, our, our intrepid producer, Josh Hatcher, back on. He's not here right now, which is why this sucks. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to put his name on this. Um, and yeah, I, I think we have a really exciting season come up, coming up. We're going to try to do video audio. There has been um, a lot of talk about maybe a CBC TikTok that might happen. So we'll <laughs> that be, was we'll, just said a moment ago. Like. But people are saying, look, all, all, the only thing I know about 2021 is that if you just say people are saying something and then say it, you've like That's accepted true. it into reality or whatever. People are officially saying at that point. Let's start at the beginning, Nathan, where yeah. it all began. And by that, I mean 2021. What are some big things that happened earlier in the year that go back before the, you know, the red and black game, go back before it was cool to play football without a mask on, which, you know, it never really was a thing we did anyway, but I'm not going to get back into that. But, um, you know, back back in like January, February, we're, we're, we're sitting after the championship game, you know, we're all full on wings and beer and, and, and the like. What, else, what, what are the things that happen? What are the things I need to know as a football fan that might not have been paying as much as close attention as I could have? Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. There's a lot. So no, hit me. Hit uh, me lo- the, the highlights. <laughs> okay. So pre-spring camp, you have DB coach Jamail Adai. Um, mm-hmm. It's a pretty big addition. He came from West Virginia. Last year, West Virginia had a very good pass defense. People will tell you that um, West Virginia had like the best pass defense in the nation. I don't know if that's true. I mean, they certainly did by like raw counting stats, but I'm not sure about what their pass EPA was. Either way, it was very good. Um, Jamila Die, by all accounts, comes very highly recommended. I, I liked the hire, if only because I, I kind of feel like you got to get new blood sometimes. And mm-hmm. uh, Jamila Dye has some like sort of tangential connections to Kirby Smart, but not really any, you know, he's not like a Saban disciple or whatever. And so that's very good to have. Uh, we had a lot of transfers both in and out. So let's do the transfers out first. Uh, and we'll talk okay. about the impacts of that. Uh, Dwan Mathis uh, transferred to Temple. Makaya mm-hmm. Tung went to, let's see, uh, Oregon State wide receiver. Jordan Mathis is a quarterback, of course, came back from a uh, very bad, very scary brain injury. Trey Blunt transferred to Old Dominion. Tommy Bush to North Texas. Matt Landers to Toledo. Colby White, who was a walk-on to Hawaii. Uh, Notori Johnson uh, transferred to Middle Tennessee State. Jermaine Johnson to Florida State. Tyreek Stevenson to Miami. Uh, let's see. Major Burns to LSU. And <laughs> Major Burns, the greatest to, loss. I believe, Illinois. Yeah, so the greatest name loss there is probably uh, Major Burns. Uh, also, the biggest on-field impact loss is probably Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah. He uh, had lost a lot out of the defensive backfield with Eric Stokes and several others, Richard LeCount going. Um, and so, you know, Tyreek Stevenson, you probably penciled him in at the star. Um, mm-hmm. My understanding is that he didn't want to play star, which if you want to know what the star position is, you can watch the episode of Doc Sports Live that I appeared on, I think, Sunday. 
Um, and we talked in depth about what the star and the jack, the hybrid positions in Georgia's offense were. Anyway, Tyreek Stevenson would probably have started at star, but I think he wanted to play pure DB. And so he went to Miami, which he was from Miami in the first place. And if I recall correctly, it was kind of a, it's kind of surprising they didn't go to Miami to begin with. So uh, it sucks, but it happens. Jermaine Johnson going to Florida State, again, kind of sucks. He he had played at a very high level, uh, you know, and but maybe just didn't feel see the field as much behind Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith playing the Jack and the OLB. Uh, other than that on field, I mean, Tyreek and Jermaine are the two big transfers. Dewan Mathis is, I mean, he, he was just not going to see any time, right? And mm-hmm. um, had some unfortunate things happen, I think, at Georgia. Maybe it was not in a very good situation. And... You know, I wish him all the best. I mean, I wish all the guys the best, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we've had two transfers in, and we might see a couple more. And I think we have an SCBC question about this. But mm-hmm. uh, our two transfers in were Tyke Smith and Brandon Turnage. Uh, Turnage is a former four-star recruit who went to Alabama. Didn't see a lot of time. I think he played in three games last year. Uh, I think he's going to probably play safety slash star, probably more like safety. Um, not a low impact but also not someone with a very talented guy without a lot of experience we have a lot of guys who are very talented with a lot of experience so you know turnage may or may not see time this year but the, the one you really want to get excited about is tyke smith uh tyke smith was a uh cornerbacks at west virginia he played safety he played i mean he played all over the field there on their defense he was very very good last year one of the better cover corners in the nation um, played a lot of slot corner, which would be the star, the the nickel corner, whatever you want to call it for us. He is, I mean, he's a playmaker. He's got a head for the ball. Um, he has, I said this on uh, the Doc Sports Live that I appeared on. He has a Roquan Smith like ability to find the ball. I'm not saying he's going to have a Roquan Smith year, but he certainly has some of that sort of just like flash to the ball ability. Uh, and I think he'll be, you know, playing a very important position on um, on his defense, on UGA's defense. If you think about the the star uh, position in UGA's defense has to cover people like Jalen Waddell and Michi and sometimes Kyle Pitts and, mm-hmm. you know, Kadarius Toney. So it, it is, I think, in the evolution of offensive college football, the star or nickel cornerback is basically a starting position. It's on the field about 80, 90 percent of the time. And it's incredibly important uh, to the sort of like scheme soundness of a uh, defense because it's often the 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 star is what's called the overhang defender. He was like the first guy off the line of scrimmage. I, I don't want to get like too far above people's heads, so hold on. Uh, we'll pause there, <laughs> or let me rephrase. I don't want to get too far above Justin's head. Um, <laughs> there you go. So yeah, lots lots of transfers out. I, I mean, Throw I'll talk shit about bus, Justin. Baby. Yeah, I'll throw Justin under the bus. I don't want to hurt our poor viewers' feelings. Lots of transfers out, obviously. A couple of high-impact transfers in, one in particular. I think we might get another one soon, maybe from the, our first opponent this year. This year, is going to be there's going to be an, an especially a big glut of transfers because you essentially have an extra class of college football players in college this year. You have several super seniors. Uh, I mean, by several, I mean hundreds. The transfers out were kind of to be expected because... A lot of them were from the wide receiver room, with which even with the injury of George Pickens, which is another thing we mm-hmm. should t- talk about, um, is very deep. So that brings us to our next news item, which is George Pickens blew out his ACL. But is it early enough in the season, in the off season, to where we might see him? <sighs> well, at some it point? is, it is. But the question is, like, it is very suboptimal that it happened. By suboptimal, I mean it sucks. And he he theoretically could come back. 
you know, if we go to the CFP, I imagine he probably will play. I have a hard time seeing him playing in like the Citrus Bowl when he could go and be, you know, second round pick or something. First round pick yeah. if he covers correctly, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's, I mean, there's obviously a lot more news. We had spring camp. We had the G-Day game. All sorts of stuff. But, I mean, those are, I think, the big things in terms of the composition of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, JT Daniels went to California with a bunch of his wide receivers. And that, I think, is pretty cool. They all went out there to train together, which I think bodes well for this next season. Any other news questions that you have before we go? Um, I did see uh, a very exciting, a very, uh, how, how exciting it really is. It kind of cracked me up, though, that apparently UGA offered um, a scholarship to a seventh grader yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah. Class of 2026, baby. So that'll be very interesting to see. Uh, you know, nothing, no, nothing boring in the off season. How was our, uh, how was our recruiting class? I know we were top five still. Yeah. I mean, good. <laughs> the yeah. short answer That's is very good. <laughs> very good. Um, I mean, I guess if you want me to like briefly go, do you want me to briefly go through? Give me your top three the- favorites. And if, if there's anybody that will immediately make uh, an impact. An impact. Okay. We'll just pretend that this is like a primer for the out-of-touch UGA fan instead of just mm-hmm. me telling uh, Justin that here's what football is. It's like not that I have been. It's really not. It was kind of for the show of it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you have paid more attention. Um, there's a lot of exciting guys. I mean, your biggest impact guys are probably uh, Nylon Green. He's a cornerback. He out of Newton. He's a four-star um, just because that's a huge need. Another big one um, is probably Javon Bullard is another cornerback. I mean, basically anyone who plays in the defensive backfield, Kamari Lasseter, uh, is going to be an important one just because that is where we are the least deep on a very deep team. Mm-hmm. I would say outside of that, the ones I would really be excited about, uh, Torrey Ingram Dawkins is defensive tackle. I am a defensive tackle guy and like defensive tackles. So that I'm always excited to see what that is. Or how everyone's going. Oh, one I will point out, he's going to probably play the Jack, uh, who I am very much rooting for, is Chas Chambliss, mm-hmm. who is an outside linebacker from the Carrollton High School of Carrollton, Georgia, uh, my alma mater, where tradition never graduates. There's nothing <laughs> like being a uh, Carrollton Trojan on Friday night. Um, anyway, excited about him as well. But yeah, I mean, I think the highest impact guys are definitely going to be in the back, the defensive backfield. Uh, I would say of all of those... You know, I think the pedigree-wise, Nylon Green mm-hmm. is a very 6'2", 183. He is like a Kirby Smart cornerback. Uh, you know, four-star, 96.8 on um, on 24-7. He's probably the guy you're real excited about. Uh, you know, Kamari Lester also. I think a lot of people really love him. Got him out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which frankly probably means that Alabama didn't want him. Uh, for the future, you got to be excited about Brock Vandegrift, number one overall, yeah. or I guess, depending on who you ask, number one or number two overall, uh, dual threat quarterback out of Prince Avenue. Uh, also has an excellent name. Marius Mims is the next great Georgia. Yeah, I was going to say, you're tackle. missing a big one here. Yeah, 6'7", 315 pounds. Yeah, the and biggest man on Amari- this recruiting class. Yeah, if you look at Marius Mims, too, he is not fat. No, uh, if he is you, pure if muscle. If you ever want a very funny image, you should look at just look up Amarius Mims um, High School, and what you'll see is a photo <laughs> of Amarius Mims standing by, standing beside a normal sized high school player, mm-hmm. and it is just makes them look like middle schoolers. Yeah, no joke. 
yeah, he he looks like um, um, men among boys is a cliche. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. He it, it's as though like some a man played you know touch football against a bunch of toddlers. Mm-hmm. It's there's also some really great video footage of all of that just of him running just through tossing lines. people around. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's outstanding. Uh, he played. I think he played at Blackley County, I want to say. Um, and so he certainly was not playing against the yeah. best competition. But look, seeing him next to like a 5'8 running back is deeply, deeply funny. Um, <laughs> and he definitely had some of these like insane highlight plays where he just like picked someone up and moved them to like Camden County or whatever, mm-hmm. which, I, which I thought was really great. The man has a uh, seven foot one wingspan. Yeah, it's terrifying. He he's an exciting prospect for sure. I I would mm-hmm. also I also just think I'm Torian Ingram, Torian Ingram Dawkins. He's a mm-hmm. four star, but and you're not going to hit on these guys every time. But he could be you know sort of the heir apparent to Jordan Davis. Um, he certainly lines up in the class to be that. Whether or not that he will actually be that is you know mm-hmm. an open question. Also, that it's, I think it's is you know pronounced oh, Tyr- Tyrion. Is it Tyrion much like Game Tyrion. of Thrones? I believe so. Yeah, I, I was calling him Torian because that you're, just like, you're made sense to me. But um, we he were also fourth has... in the nation this year, third in the SEC though, which is like, of course, it is what it Pine is. LSU yeah. In Alabama. Yeah, we beat Florida, so that's what really matters. <laughs> we got our priorities straight. What were say? No problem at all. I was just yeah. going to say, uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. His twenty four seven photo is adorable. It's fantastic. He's the next cheesiness boy. Just want everybody to know that right on, uh, you know. He has check uh, it out. pretty pretty transcendent hair. Mm-hmm. I, I would say uh, there's no there's no moment where his hair does not look good. So I and yeah. I really respect him, that about him. Also, I'm pretty sure we got him over Tennessee. He came here over Tennessee, and that also feels you know always feels real good. Anyway, <clears throat> we have a lot of grown men looking dudes in this recruiting class. That was one of my big takeaways like from the. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this this whole team writ large, one of the big takeaways for me was it, this is just a, a different looking team physically. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked in the past about how different this team looks than, you know, the Mark Rick teams. But even over Curry Smart teams of the past, there's just no one on this team right now who is not a 99% athlete, at least no one who's going to play. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that doesn't guarantee success or anything, but it does mean that there's there's a certain amount of um, that is the four and five star the blue chip recruiting advantage in action right you know do, if you take away how good everyone is at football which you can't because it's important but if you take that out of the equation the bigger and stronger and faster guy usually wins right and georgia has that in spades uh to the point where you know one or two games are really going to make the difference in this season because you're going to beat most of your most of the people that you play this year getting off the bus you're mm-hmm. going to beat several SEC teams if you're Georgia getting off the bus. And and I don't mean that to say that they should take other SEC teams lightly. I just mean when you have a, you know, 45-pound advantage on the defensive and offensive line, you, you'll win. I mean, that, that's just what it is. And so um, that that is sort of – that is one of the things that sort of shades my perception of this coming season is just looking at, uh, looking at that team on G-Day and just being like, Jesus, where is the – who's the guy that is, like, undersized? It's like mm-hmm. Demetrius Robertson, but he still has elite speed. So, which is absolutely all wild. right. Let, let's move let's into talk the about season. How we're then. feeling? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about how we're feeling about the season. So, 
This is one of the you know, most anticipated starts to a season I think we've had in quite some time. Uh, yeah, against Clemson up yeah. in Charlotte. So, so here's I, I have two separate questions, and one mm-hmm. of these to me is way more interesting than the other. One is how do you feel about the seasons in terms of what is your early vibe on Georgia's predicted results, and the second is how do you feel about the season as a person? Now, hold on, I'm going to cough a lot, and then you answer <laughs> this question. As a football fan. First and foremost, I feel I feel good about the season. I feel really good about the season just because uh, 2020 was supposed to be an outstanding year as far as you know where we were situated with everything and, and how we were playing and how we were going to be expected to play. It was a tougher season, I feel like, than this year is. Like this year looks a bit less difficult than last year did. Um, <clears throat> and our, our at-home season itself looks kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> like we have Blazers, Gamecocks, Razorbacks, Wildcats, Tigers, uh, Charleston Southern Buccaneers, you know, and that's more games than we had last season um, at home than we're perspe- uh, projected. But at the same time, they're just not as exciting. So, yeah, it is what it is. It means I might yeah, have a really good chance of getting press passes, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a it's a big ask for these big nut uh, money donors who took the year off to come back for for this Arkansas. Yeah. And South Carolina and UAB, and then that scintillating uh, early November t- uh, tilt, where it will probably be 15 degrees against the old Charleston Southern Buccaneers. <laughs> yep. I, I will mean, say, what's the, what's the best game in Sanford Stadium this year? Like the best football game? The best football game, I think it's probably a toss up between the Tigers and the Wildcats. Yeah, um, but the Wildcats are still continuing to build, I feel. Um, whereas the Tigers, like, I think Missouri I feel should like be all right these, this year. Yeah, Missouri should be better. Both these teams, I feel like each year we're kind of like, I don't know what we're going to get. We might see, and and sometimes there's some uh, been some surprises, especially for Kentucky. So, I think um, Eli Drinkwitz is good. Is a good coach. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, we're, but like, how are you feeling as a person? Like, what's your your well, like level of excitement it, for the coming yeah. year? Yeah, um, I mean, it's. It's changing. It, it's evolving each day. I will say, um, because last season I had a lot of feelings about it, and everybody had a lot of feelings about it, and and I was very unexcited for the majority of the season, um, and very angry about a lot of things. And now that you know things are changing, and things are people are becoming vaccinated, and things are beginning better, I feel a lot better about football in, in general. Um, this is my first foray into football once more um, since you know we were last on the air, uh, so. I'm getting more and more excited as time goes on. And I'm really excited to be able to do things again. I'm excited about music and hanging out with people and board games and football is one of those things. Um, Beer that's not sad and in my house. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I am, I am getting really excited about it. I think like with that season, if this were a normal year, I'd be like, huh, I probably won't be going to a home game, but because this is not a normal year, (laughs) uh, I might try to go to all of those home games just because I'm like, I have, I'm at a huge deficit of social interaction and I am a very extroverted person. And so I I need it. I crave it. I am like, I'm ready to do just about anything um, that is is expected of me. Um, And also what is not expected of me. A lot of the people who listen to this only have parasocial relationships with us, which is to Mm -hmm. say you don't know us in person. All some of you do. Uh, But any, even if you only know us through this podcast, I hope that you can you can guess that Justin and I are not the kind of guys that really enjoyed being cooped up inside for the past year and a half, basically. Uh, so 
If you see me kiss someone on the mouth in like a really platonic <laughs> way, that's why. And that's part like, of it. That's that's an, that's odd behavior, Nathan. That's why. That's not that's anymore. What, I mean, Justin and I hung out for the first time in what nine months, a year, mm-hmm. yeah, a couple of weekends ago. And when our wives saw each other, our wives hugged and then cried and drank wine for about an hour. No, it was great. Four hours. <laughs> we okay. So Bro Broma just Bro Broma just felt like he was betrayed. he's been cheated. Uh, Paris. Parasocial, much like parasexual, could mean that our relationship is mediated by the internet, but it could mean that you're a werewolf and I'm a vampire. So you could choose to... You could reframe it and say, this internet relationship is the real one, and what everybody else is getting is not. We're like, I'm like an internet werewolf. What kind of (laughs) cryptid would you be? (laughs) What kind of cryptid would I be? my immediate inclination was like vampire but i I know that's not it i think i would actually kind of be like um i think i might be a sasquatch world world of darkness cryptids right so world okay you could do sasquatch too so vampire changeling half fey uh werewolf like Mm. some sort of demon mage um chupacabra that's not a World of Darkness one, but that's also. But one it counts. Table. Mothman. Oh, Mothman's really good. No, I like the idea. Like I, I leaned into Sasquatch there for a moment just because I, I like the chase. I don't like the chasing. I like being chased, and I like you know, someone wondering whether or not I'm real. I guess. <laughs> mm. um, no, but not even that. That's not even true. I think if I had to guess, um, I would probably want to be um, some sort of fae. But like a like a really hedonistic fae that's just like really mm. into every pleasure of life and living it all yeah, the fullest. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah, I still get to be chased an, that way. An Epicurean, yeah. Mm-hmm. You are kind of a you? bon vivant in real life. I mean, very much some so. kind of lichen, some kind of lichen, certainly. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna we're gonna stick to like the traditional cryptids, then like werewolf, hundred mm-hmm. percent social, too hairy to really like control it in any given moment. Um Sort of like chaotic in a really uh, unintentionally scary way. Not very good at being intentionally scary, right? Mm-hmm. I think that feels very werewolf. Wear bear, if you let me get a little bit big. You're paws, more of a yeah. wear bear. You're, you're way bigger yeah. than the typical werewolf. Um, yeah, but bears are like solitary, you know? I mean, like, World of Darkness rule is definitely a werewolf. But yes, wear bear, I think, would be the ideal. All right. Everyone should play Monster <laughs> Prom, by the way. We should have a Monster Prom night soon. Anyway, oh, we should we could stream a monster prom night. That would be we really could. fun. That would be really fun. Um, how do you feel about the season? Hit me with your uh, you know your your person vibes, your your football vibes. Uh, football and then, vibes. And then that's a good segue into your feelings on the SEC yeah. win totals, the expected win totals. Person vibes. I am uh, Peter, my work spouse, and I have this thing that we talk about where every day we get closer to summer break. It is as though our the souls inside of us loosen away from the sort of like corporeal husks that have contained us in school for 180 days or whatever and each day we get closer to sort of like evanescing and then on the last day of uh before summer break we walk out of the school and we just turn into ether and you don't see our like (laughs) physical bodies our meat shells until we come back the next year and that's kind of how i feel about this year's football season like Mm -hmm. i miss band with the sort of like visceral pain that you like feel when you like lose a pet like that's mm. the i miss band 
I heard a college marching. I heard a college marching band warm up the other day and cried. Like I listened to before the Redcoats were getting ready for G Day. I was listening to the drumline play eight on a hand, which is just eighth notes on every drum at the same time, and I got misty eyed. I <laughs> am so. I don't. It's been a long time since I've been this excited about a football season, man. And it, mm-hmm. and it's May. I'm usually like one of these guys where like I put football, you know, football goes to bed and then I get, you know, some kind of preview magazine in like July and I sit on a beach and drink beer and read the preview magazine. And then I listen to a bunch of podcasts. I'm always listening to the podcast, but I sort of like put football away for a while, you know, but like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, I watched it. I paid money to watch a Kirby smart coaching clinic like two weeks ago. (laughs) That's like, that's where I am. And that was like May 15th. Yeah, so that's that's where I am. Like I'm, I'm like those videos of golden retrievers when their their owner has been away for a long time, and then they can hear them outside of the door, and, and they're like, like back legs, <laughs> like Scooby or like Scooby doing out behind them. You know, that's mm-hmm. where I am. Like three months out, <laughs> football wise, I mean, if this team wins less, if this team wins fewer than eleven games, it's uh, they've underperformed. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I think that this is. Well, that's, that's an interesting not... take because they're projected at 10 and a half. Yeah, because of our over-unders. I, before we get to the over-unders, I mean, the only thing I'll say about the season, and this is going to be, I think, a theme that I come back to a lot this season, is if we win, like, this is maybe not the best team in spots that, that, that Kirby has had, but it is the most complete team by far. Mm. And just the presence of Todd Munkin in the offensive coordinator booth means that's true. But on top of that, you have... I, I mean, you have talent at every position and you have depth at every position. The The weakness that this team has is that it doesn't have experience at every position, particularly in cornerback and uh, some of the some on the offensive line. But I, I mean, this team should be really good. And when their defensive backfield messes up, they should be able to score 35 points a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would be, you know... UGA might falter out at the start and score like 28 points in a win or a loss against Clemson. But if this team scores less than 35 over out of, over on like 11 of its home, you know, um, season opponents, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's actual in season opponents, not postseason opponents. Then it's, that's a shame. Like yeah. something's yeah, yeah, yeah. gone wrong. Something has happened. Um, then it's certainly so yeah. we've seen glimpses of that even last year with JT Daniels, and we've seen glimpses of it in in certain you know forums and news pieces over the, the off season. Is that it seems like Georgia is adapting the version of SEC play that we've seen from other schools and making it their own thing. Like Kirby is kind of melding his own Kirby brain and his own schemes into like a more pass heavy offense, but not a purely pass heavy offense that we've seen. We're not, I don't think we're going to see this season, like a shoot till you outshoot the opponent. It's going to be something adapted to, to fit our mold. Am I wrong to say that? Or does that, does that feel right? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I think that we were on that train. We were already there know, starting in, in 2020. Yeah. That was like, that was the but, original mm-hmm. conceit of the first episode of the battle hymnal. Our old now, video show was that JT Daniels has a whole you know, a, a year, and I'm doing quotes for the, the the audio format listeners that a whole year of playing and an entire well, extra off season of practicing that and a deeper wide I mean, receiver thing, core too. Yeah, I mean, think about the number of 
like actual players who who we expect to contribute to this team this year who have not ever had a preseason camp, have not had a fall mm-hmm. camp or a spring camp. I mean, Jermaine Burton, mm-hmm. Marcus, uh, I think he's just, uh, I don't think he goes, I forget what he goes by. Anyway, like basically our whole wide receiver core outside of Kyrus Jackson and um, Demetrius Robertson, mm-hmm. right? I mean, several contributors on defense have never had one. I mean, there's a whole, um, you know, I guess you could say, and I'm going to steal this from our Discord. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the other teams haven't either, and that is totally true. But the what I would say is that like Georgia was a pretty dominant team, um, and has been over the last couple of years against teams not named Alabama, mm-hmm. and. I don't think there's anything that really changes that, right? Like maybe you lose to Clemson or maybe you lose in the SEC title to Alabama. Uh, and who knows how that goes. It's really an any given Saturday kind of deal. And I'm obviously we're going to have a lot more to say about that before we get to that point. Yeah. But who knows, right? But the bigger picture view, and when I say dominant, what I mean is that like, you know, what's the average score of a UGA team against an SEC East team in the last three years? It's not even particularly close, right? And hmm. so... I, I don't think that there's any reason for that to change this year. And I think with, like you said, UGA sort of like adopting an offense that, you know, makes sense in 2021 and not in 2004, um, that there's no reason for that trend to reverse. In fact, I think the trend of UGA's dominance or the SEC East is going to just extend into this year. I think that, I mean, you look at the Florida game probably being the hardest, uh, the hardest regular season, regular season. How did I lose that word? The hardest regular season game in the SEC East. And I mean... I think there's a pretty good chance I'm like, sure, I'm, I'll eat these words gladly if it doesn't happen, but there's a pretty good chance that UGA doesn't just beat Florida, but like smacks the shit out of them and sort of like 2018 embarrasses them. I, 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 I mean, and you can put it down now that I said that mm-hmm. on, you know, May 25th. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some over-unders. Um, yeah, let's do it. I want to just hear your reaction to these and I'll give my reaction Starting at the top, Clemson and Alabama uh, over under 11.5 wins. So I want to hear whether you would take the over and over under over or under for each of these teams and what your thoughts are. Before I say either one, I'm going to look real quick at Clemson's schedule. Yep, it looks like a Clemson schedule. So if I say... <laughs> that didn't take uh, long. No, it sure didn't. If I take an under, it means that they have to lose to Georgia or South Carolina. Because I do not, unless they do the normal Clemson thing like they've done the last few years well, and they do this whole, like, they lose yeah. to one fucking, loss. One loss me, gets Syracuse. you it on under. And so it's just kind of a matter of looking at those teams and saying, which of these teams is good enough now to beat Clemson? And with, it's a big question mark. I mean, Clemson's still Clemson, of course, but they've lost, uh, what's his face? Um, Trevor Lawrence. I almost said Trevor Fields, and I was like, that is not his name. That is not his name. That is not his name. Um, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Hey, look, they guys, lost we're Trevor knocking Lawrence. the rust off here. We'll, we'll fix it in post. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So, but it's there is a question mark, and they've lost some pieces. They lost uh, Etienne as well, and so they lost some big, big contributors last season. But that doesn't – how how much of a dynasty have they become, I guess, is the big question. And I think that Clemson still has one or two losses in them in a regular season. I think 11.5 is pretty bold. It's pretty bold. Um, it's, it's Well, it's pretty bold for two reasons. One, it's bold. Bold's the wrong word. It's sort of a trap number, I think, mm-hmm. on the one hand, because 
if you set it 11.5, what you're basically asking is whether or not Clemson will beat Georgia. And so I guess on Vegas's part, that's a way to make a lot of money. Uh, right now, the over and under the plus minus on it is, you know, relatively close. You're getting, you're getting a little bit of juice for taking the over still. So I, I, I actually think, you know, I think there's a decent chance that Clemson loses at, mm-hmm. uh, at least to Georgia. So I, I would take, I would probably still take the over just because their season, their their schedule is so weak. But I, uh, I would be, I wouldn't feel good about it. What do we think about Alabama? I'll, I'll give them the over. <laughs> I'll give Alabama. Yeah, I the mean, over. come on. That's a perfect season. Absolutely. though, is the thing. Like, do we give them a whole perfect season? Let's see who. Uh, I'm gonna click them real quick. I, find I, out. Probably. I mean, they're. I mean. I don't see, okay, you would say normally with the talent that they've lost, even Alabama, you would be like, okay, well, they've got to take a small step yeah, back. No, the problem really is that, well, A, yeah, the problem is it hasn't been shown that that matters at all. And the problem is if you look at their schedule this year, I mean, it's like, okay, so Miami, that's a win. Mercer, that's a win. Florida, a win. Southern Miss, win. Ole Miss, win. Texas A&M, at that Kyle Field, that's the only one. Maybe. Mississippi State win, Tennessee 40-point win, LSU maybe, right? That, New Mexico. Well, they lost a lot of great talent. They're still rebuilding. Yeah, well, I mean, they might be a little bit better this year, but yeah. yeah. New Mexico, that's like a 50-point win. Arkansas, that might be like a 20-point win, 30-point win. You know, Auburn, you trust Auburn at Jordan-Hare in November? I mean, if I were actually putting money on it, I would probably take the under just because numbers wise they have some well they have some i mean they're playing away at texas a&m they're playing away at auburn Mm -hmm. and you know you figure they could lose one of those games and still go to the sec championship probably and texas a&m is kind of in a prove it year with jimbo fisher um i mean they're not gonna fire him he's they own a a billion dollars or whatever but (laughs) i i think I would probably take the under just because of the, t- the opportunities they have to lose. But I also just wonder about, I mean, I don't know. It's like, how many times are we going to do the whole, like the reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how, how many times do we act like that Alabama just can't keep doing it until they do it? I'm not saying Alabama is going to win the title this year. Um, they're breaking in a new quarterback. They have some, losses in the wide receiver room but they still have a really good wide receiver room mm-hmm. and that's kind of the truth all the way through um i know richard johnson one of the guys over at split zone duo my second favorite college football podcast has kind of had some rumblings about like oh well this is like a citrus bowl loss year and i could certainly see that but um i don't know i just i i i i, I will believe it when i see it and i will be happy to see it and happy to be wrong Right, but I think mm-hmm. I would probably take Clemson under Alabama over. Yeah. All right. A couple of others. A couple of others of note. Um, let, before we go to Georgia, Florida at nine. So this is a very interesting one. This is very interesting to me because I can find nine wins. So the I'm, interesting thing about this one is the over is minus one thirty nine and the under is plus one ten. It's the only one uh-huh. where the, the the plus minus is flipped like that. So like they're they're paying you money to take the under. So, yeah. So, tell me, where do you see the nine wins? You got FAU, you got USF. You probably have Tennessee, UK, Vanderbilt. You probably have South Carolina. But that's another question mark, I feel like, this season of where are they at in their their progression of of level. Oh, they're going to suck. You think so again? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Um, absolutely. 
And then you got Samford and probably FSU. Yeah, so that's man, seven that's, that, that is, I just counted without man. counting South Carolina. Uh, so that's eight with South Carolina. Eight so far that are, are pretty much so like those on. are locked in wins. Games that they should win. Florida yeah, games that they should win. Florida, they should win FAU. They should win USF. They should beat Tennessee, who is like fielding like a little league T-ball team at this point. They should <laughs> probably beat Kentucky, um, I think. They yeah. should beat Vandy. That's five. They should beat South Carolina because why did they hire who they hired? Uh, <laughs> just for the record, they hired a former Georgia coach. Probably they hired him because he was a former Georgia coach and he, Jimmy Sexton's his agent, whatever. They should beat Sanford. That's seven. And they should probably beat Florida State, who I probably. still think is sort of like post-Jimbo cratering somehow. So that's still ass. Yeah. So to and get to nine, to get to a push, you have to either beat Missouri, Georgia, LSU, Alabama. You have Alabama oof. at home. You have Missouri away. Huh. That's an interesting one. And it's, it's tough. Yeah. Like I could see, yeah. it, I could L- see it being LSU, a push. L- I think Alabama and Georgia are pretty certain losses. I'm, I'm, I feel pretty confident about that. So that gives you to 10. God, I don't know why you would say that I, this early. <laughs> Damn I it, just Nathan. don't think, I don't think Florida is going to be very good. No, in I mean, my brain, I, I, I believe wanna, you. Like, I don't want to copy. I don't want to copy Graham too much, but like there was this inside like scoop about how the, there were coaches out in Florida's team in the spring practice um, in spring practice this year who were frustrated with Emory Jones and were calling him mm-hmm. like Mr. Checkdown. And like, they're going to go back to running sort of like the Dan Mullen Tebow kind of thing with the running threat first. And I don't know how much that sells in 2021. They're lo- they lost Kadarius Tony. They lost Kyle Pitts. They lost a lot mm-hmm. off of their defense. I mean, I'll have to look at like SP plus and returning EPA and stuff, but like, it's not great. It really we, isn't great. Okay. Okay. Like who has the like sort of psychological advantage coming into the season in that matchup? It's definitely it's Georgia. Georgia, right? Yeah. yeah. Ge- like 10 Florida had like a once in a, 15 year team and won nine games, which is hilarious, but, um, <laughs> and they beat the crap out of Georgia and that's fine. Well, the way this team, the way this, you know, rivalry has gone is that traditionally when that happens one year, then the other team is good the next year, uh, it goes the other way. So I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I really think I, I really kind of think under cause okay. Yeah. Let's say you give, if you give, Give Florida Georgia, right? Just mm-hmm. say they'll 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 win to Florida. That's still nine. So that means that that's nine. So to win, they have to beat Alabama, LSU. So they have to beat two of these, two of these teams. LSU at Tiger Stadium, Alabama at home, Georgia neutral site, or Missouri at at Furrow Field. You mm-hmm. gotta win two of those games. You can you might be able to win Missouri. I think they're gonna give you better, but you might be able to beat Missouri. And then you've gotta pick one out of three from LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. I mean, I guess that that nine, if you're betting over, what you're probably saying is that LSU is not as good. But mm-hmm. it's like, that's October 16th in in Baton Rouge, presumably at night. I don't that's know, rough. man. Yeah. I, I, I think I would probably lean under. I think it might end up being a push. Nine seems like probably about right. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? So our, our our boys now. So where do we sit? We sit at ten and a half is our expected win total. Over. Move on. I think Next it's question. over. I think it's yeah, it's it's yeah. an easy over, it's, I think. It's too low. It's too low. It's too low. And, and it's it's too low for, for one reason. 
look at Georgia's schedule this year and mm-hmm. find me a second loss. 100%. Could, could Georgia lose to Clemson? I think Clemson probably should be favored. Find me a second loss in here. I, I mean, unless you're just like a Florida believer, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd, no. Charleston Southern, no. Tennessee, less mm-hmm. likely than Charleston Southern probably. I mean, Tennessee, it's in Neyland, and who knows what happens there. That turf is horrible, but whatever. Probably not. Missouri, better, but probably not. Right, Mm-mm. Florida, gutted. I just stated my case there. Kentucky, no. <laughs> Arkansas, no. Vanderbilt, no. South Carolina, no. UAB, no. So you're you're saying, like, if you're taking the under there, you're either betting on Auburn in you know in October in Jordan Hare, which you know I I guess could happen. Bo Nix might finally be good. Um, <laughs> I'm sticking to my old hot take that Bo Nix would have been a t- tight end if he was black. Um, I don't think he's bad. I just He's, I he's really not seen him take a st- Yeah, he hasn't taken the step forward that we were all led to believe that he would. It's kind of like uh, a writer that hasn't found their voice yet. That's what it feels like a lot of yeah. times. He figured out how to throw an accurate pass <laughs> over 15 yards. Anyway, um, so you're basically either betting Auburn over Georgia or Florida over Georgia, and so in that sense, like Georgia has to win both of those games or they go under. And so I guess in that sense, maybe under is the better bet. But I just. I think it's pretty good, man. It's pretty good odds. I mean, like, okay, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So, like, let's say you take the under, right? Georgia beats Clemson on Labor Day. Mm-hmm. What so what two teams is this team losing to? They're not, not after not, that. Not that I'm not not that I'm saying Georgia will, but let's say they do, right? If they yeah. are good enough to beat Clemson, they are probably going undefeated or having one loss. Right? Yeah. So I think if they beat, yeah, you're right. I think if, if they beat Clemson, they they lose. They could lose one game, and I think that's probably the the max there at that point. Yeah. So and and so what you're having to bet is not only will not only will Georgia lose to Clemson, they will also lose an additional game that they will probably be favored in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I think that's I I would be interested to see the trend line on that number because to me that feels. I mean, I'm sure it's about right because you probably think they're going to win about 11. And you're going to make some money on it if you're Vegas and they're smarter than I am. But that just feels like a weird number to me. Mm-hmm. And I know they don't want to make it a round number. So I guess that's why, you know. Um, yeah. So, wow. It's it feels like, pretty good, man. It, it, a, it feels very good to be doing this with you. One of my very close friends who I have not been able to do a thing that I like to do with. I just want to pause and say that I'm very excited about that. Same. I, uh... I, you know, we got into this five years ago, which is insane. Yeah. Basically to... On a whim. We got into this five years... Yeah, on a whim, just so we could sit and talk football, like, as two friends. And that's still why I care about it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, like, very, very happy about, you know... Yeah. This thing. Very, this thing very that we were able to do. Th- this thing that we're doing right now. Um, so... With that being said, let's get into one of our favorite segments that has come about over the last five years, the Ask CBC segment, the one where everyone asks their, you know, a couple of questions, this or that, what the heck's going on? It could be on topic, it could be off topic, but you know what? It's off season, so it really doesn't matter. So I'm going to hit you with the very first question from Bro Broma. Bro Broma asks, any thoughts on if we should pursue Darian Kendrick? Yes. Give us some background on Darian Kendrick. Darian Kendrick is a cornerback at Clemson, ironically. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, you, you you didn't say one thing before we get into this. This is Ask CBC, uh, everyone's favorite segment, and I get we didn't get a uh, a a question from James Bearfield this time, so we'll just say 
Dr. James Bearfield's Memorial Ask CBC, presented by Cheerwine, the wine what give you diabetes. Um, there it is. Anyway, Darren Tim, Kendrick Tim, Tim. was a cornerback at Clemson who had had some sort of, I guess, off-field stuff previously. He was, I think, a five-star wide receiver project prospect. He transferred over, or flipped over to cornerback. Uh, by all accounts, an excellent on-field cornerback, one of the better cornerbacks in the nation, incredibly talented. Um, mm-hmm. He had had a couple of run-ins like with some discipline stuff, and then he got arrested in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which there's your problem right there. It's like you're in Rock Hill. I don't, I've never been to Rock Hill. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, he got arrested in Rock Hill, South Carolina with like, he had a gun in his lap and he was like asleep in his car or something. Um, I, yes, I think they should. Uh, Uh A couple of reasons. One, should you go to sleep in your car drunk with a gun in your lap? No. Should you be judged on your worst moment in college? I mean, like if he had choked a girl or like, Broke someone's orbital bone, which are both things that UGA players have done that have gotten them kicked off the field, uh, off the team. Then, yeah, I mean, I think we'd be talking about a different level of thing, and it's certainly yeah. unsafe. And it and it, and it it indicates that there's you know maybe some maturity that needs to happen there. But a, I think if you're Kirby, you're in the game of I don't know how to say this without saying sounding too cynical. But a, it's it's in your best interest uh, for your job to do it. Right, he's a very good player. And B, the nature of coaching, and I think the nature of teaching writ large, is that you know, you're know you in the business of giving second chances. And that certainly doesn't mm-hmm. mean you always have to give people chances no matter what. But I don't think that Kirby should or would like bat an eyelid. There, now, I, if the charges stick, he probably will not come to Georgia just because of the, you know, the nature of it. But I, there mm-hmm. have been like rumblings that his charges are going to get dropped. Um, and if that happens, I would be shocked if we didn't go after him. And I actually think we got a pretty good chance of going him, um, uh, of getting him because, you know, you can kind of just be like, Hey, come in and just take one of these cornerback spots, bruh. Like pre- the playing time argument in a big game is there. And also if you're angry at Dabo Swinney, which seems to be pretty easy to do, yeah. um, you have a real chance at revenge by just coming in on the first game and playing against your old teammates. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I think um, is kind of funny. Yeah. With that being said, though, what's the one thing you think will decide the Clemson game? I'm curious what you think about this. I'll answer it, too. Um, I think it depends on their returning production on offense. Like, what does it look like? What are they going to be up to? Can they produce the same way they used to or in a way that's unexpected? Um, how have we prepared for this, essentially, is what I'm getting to, you know? Um, and I guess that it comes down to if we go down kind of like the, the, the logic, the branching logic there is um, can our cornerbacks handle – what they prepared um can our defense in the backfield handle what they prepared because clemson is is has been a pretty dual threat team in the past but i don't think they have the the same level of talent that they just released from the team um as far as the the running game goes and so that's kind of what i'm thinking what about you so um i think you know a lot of it's going to come back to quarterback play come down to quarterback play you want you need jt daniels to have a good game um they have a new they have a new quarterback starting who's played a couple of games the past year is a dual threat from, I think, mm-hmm. Hawaii. His name is, or no, California. His name is DJ Ui Angele. Uh, Angelele. Ui Angelele. Yeah, that's what I it didn't is. Even... Ui Angelele. Yeah, DJ Ui Angelele. Sorry, I have to like get it in my mouth. Um, I should have practiced that beforehand because I looked it up. He is, you know, he's a five-star Clemson quarterback. He can throw the ball. He can run. He's probably more of a runner than Trevor was. Uh, a lot of 
you know, his maturity, I think, is going to um, really determine a lot of if this game is close. I could see this game getting out of hand for Georgia if he has a really bad day, which, you know, is all can always be true for any mm-hmm. quarterback. I, I think a lot of it is actually going to come down um, to Georgia's, I mean, obviously, the sort of boring coach answer is the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Georgia has a very experienced defensive line, one of the top defensive lines or and defensive front sevens in the nation. Uh, the problem is that Clemson probably has the only other person, uh, the only other front seven in the nation you could say is better than Georgia's, right? So, mm-hmm. how does the how do the offensive lines play in particular? I think is going to be a big deal. And then I just think you know if Tyke Smith can hold up, if you have cornerback production and the defensive line has a good day, which I think it's very possible they could because Clemson has lost some stuff at uh, offensive line. You feel pretty good. So, I mean, that's a very generic answer. Like we just said quarterbacks and the, the, the lines of scrimmage, which is like, Mm -hmm. that's every game ever, but it it really was, I think in particular, this game, you know, what do you see out of these five-star number one recruit dudes on Clemson's defensive line? If they have a really big day, it's gonna be hard for Georgia. Uh, inversely, if Jordan Davis has like two sacks or Adam Anderson blows up uh, DJ, I'm not going to try it again because I don't want to embarrass myself it's anymore. Uwe Angulele. Uwe Angulele. Yeah. DJ Uwe Angulele. Um, if Adam Anderson blows him up three times, then yeah, uh, Georgia's going to have a good day. I, I think early in the season, you're going to see mistakes, right? And you're going to see miscommunications you're going to see turnovers more explosive plays because that's the nation the, that's the nature of the early season mm-hmm. in a game like that you would think that georgia's experience at cornerback would mean something uh however in a game like that also front sevens would mean something right so that does give clemson you know if not an edge then actually a, a strong thing to lean on there so if, if i had to really decide it i think it really comes down to if georgia can block clemson up front and mm-hmm. if Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee just don't have a big game or they are, you know, if if not a big game, they just have an average game. I think Georgia's got a pretty good shot because I think there are some other places on the field that Georgia has a chance to make some advantages, you know. Yeah. But if Georgia gives up six sacks, then that's probably the ball game. Yeah. All right. Let me get I got one for, for anybody. It's from <laughs> this is from Abby. Yeah. This is from Abby on Discord. Uh-huh. Uh one of our favorite fans. When you get to choose the font on a document, what's your favorite font? Ooh, um, I have two favorite fonts. I have uh, good old classic Times New Roman. <laughs> I have, I'm the guy mm-hmm. who opens a Google Doc and I go from Arial to Times New Roman just because I, I think it's a classic font. It's great. I also really love, uh, actually, I have two more. I have Calibri and I also love Proxima Nova. Those are some mm. some good looking fonts. Are <laughs> God. A thing I never thought I would say. Man, 12-year-old me would be so disappointed in me right now. Let's see. Two. The I'll give you three, I guess. One, mm-hmm. huge, huge fan of um, Arial or Helvetica. Mm-hmm. Arial is, I think, the Microsoft name of it. I also really like Times Roman. I'm an MLA boy, and I will fight you on I'm an MLA. style boy. Yeah. Whatever. Uh <laughs> It's not. It's not good. Um, I actually think one of the one of my favorite fonts of all time is uh, is called Baskerville. Mm-hmm. Baskerville oh, a good is one too. from I think the 1790s. A. It's named after a guy Baskerville who 
was not a Lord of Baskerville, but is from England and also, and I love Sherlock Holmes. And B, it was one of the direct antecedents and influences on Times New Roman, which I think is really cool. Mm. Also, if you like fonts, there's a Helvetica uh, documentary that's pretty good. What do do you have any exciting plans this summer? That's another Abby question. I'm gonna get to see my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not not anything too terribly crazy. I mean, getting out, seeing people, going to Hilo, probably mm, go dancing. Yes. You know, that'll be fun. See if we can't get you know get out on the water, go kayaking, or go to the lake or something. But nothing any too big. It too big. What about you? They are starting. They're actually creating a boat launch over by my house, over actually by your dad's church, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, yeah, I know. Dad cool. just had to. Dad had to approve the the city to use. I don't know. Part of the the right of way is theirs or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I am going to. Uh, we're going to go to the beach in June, which we always do with the 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 Simmons family, and then um, I am going to go. You should come to Vegas in July if you've never been to Vegas. It is a hell of a time, and I always have fun because it's just just playing games for a few days, and so doing that thing again. I haven't been back to Vegas with uh, there's my, there's my friend almost Ryan zero chance zero percent chance that that's going to happen, but I respect I, I appreciate being invited. I'm going to send you all the links and all of the deals, and yeah, there's no see possible way that I can afford that. Anna's coming too, so that might be some yeah. Legend. I get it. <laughs> yeah but there's 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 no possible way that i can afford a trip to vegas if we'll someone wants to pay for me to go to vegas i will go all right anyway um but that's very cool either way uh what has been the thing this is still from abby what has been the thing you've enjoyed about the discord the, the community the, the most um it has definitely been a social outlet i haven't been as active on it in the past few months just because they've been really busy months but before that it was definitely a a, a social outlet that uh, I wouldn't have had otherwise and getting to play games with some of these folks and just getting to talk to these folks and being constants in my life has been really nice. What about you? Yeah, I certain, I certainly am, you know, I can't, uh, I can't underestimate the parasocial relationships that we've made here and some of the actual just social relationships that we made here. And, and it's been really important to me in a time that could have, could have been way more trying without the very special people on this discord mm-hmm. i like how horny this discord is um <laughs> just as the a general rule discord. pretty 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 thirsty mm-hmm. yeah hornier than some discords that are just about sex i would say which is, i appreciate mm-hmm. also memeier um I've, I've really enjoyed playing games on this discord met met some new people played some new games there's a pretty good game of cbc valheim going on yeah. right now we're, we're talking about playing CBC uh, Blood Bowl, which is like a sort of fantasy style, like Warhammer 40k style uh, football That'd game. really fun. Yeah, it's really exciting. And I mean, I, I think the number one thing is that like it was it's always it's been very affirming to know that people care about what we do here. And then mm-hmm. to find out that those people are cool people was very, very touching. Question for Rick Russell. Why does... Danny Cannell have a platform. Yeah. I mean, he played in college. That's basically the only reason. There's so many people who uh, should not have platforms and they do just because they did football once. All right. So like, like seriously, like it, it will not surprise anyone if I told you that Danny Cannell and I have very different politics. Cool. Yes. Great. Leave that out of it. Right. Like when was the last time Danny Cannell said something interesting? I'm going to help you you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. something like, different. I, I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't mean like. I, I, I don't want to just like make this a bash on other media members kind of post. But like, 
I, I don't know. I mean, he played he played football. That's why. Let's go to the next one from Graham. Very good. <laughs> very, very, very good question. Uh, one from Graham. Who wins in a fight, Jordan Davis or 12 miniature horses? How big is a miniature horse? Hold on. Jordan Davis is a sweet, beautiful boy, and he would never fight 12 mini- miniature horses. But if he was forced to, Jordan Davis would, Jordan Davis would atomize. I would, yeah. I would take 12, Jordan Davis over 12 Jordan Davis-sized horses. First of all, that guy loves the Redcoats, so I think he can do no wrong and should be the emperor of everyone forever. Uh, and second, look, have you seen him? He's huge. Yes. He's such a big man. If, Nathan, if miniature horses, If you moved him to though, anger. You ready? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to move you to anger, <laughs> Jordan Davis. I need you to know this before, before you say anything else about him beating all these horses. Uh, a miniature horse is 34 to 38 inches, so just over three feet at their max height, and they can weigh anywhere between 150 to 350 pounds. So, okay. Go Here's on. an anthropology lesson. Here's an anthropology lesson. Do you know how traditional, not traditional, do you know how ancient humans hunted? This is true. I don't know the answer you're looking for for this question. Okay, we think of ourselves as a tool-using species, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Humans evolved, uh, like uh, most higher primates have done this, but humans evolved to, to use tools. That's true. But in our hunter-gatherer days, humans are uniquely metabolically suited to be what's called exhaustion hunters. So the basic sort of like Neolithic, well, not Neolithic. I'm, I'm not going to get the time, the periods right. It's been a long time since I took biology or anthropology. But basically, there was a time when humans would chase an antelope until it collapsed and then cut its throat. Because most uh, animals are designed not for endurance, but for short sprints, in particular Mm -hmm. prey animals. Now, horses, I know, as they're not ungulates, but uh, horses are in some ways bred for endurance, right? But we're talking about mini horses. We're talking about a... We're talking about a species that was made fun of in Parks and Rec for being diabetic. Yeah. Jordan Davis runs like he's 300 pounds and he runs like a 4640 and he and he just like runs around in the heat all day. He could run 12 mini horses to death. <laughs> I stand by that. Now, if uh, you like shod them, if they had like horseshoes that were sharpened, then yeah, maybe. Like I'd give it to the horses. Mm. Now there is now I'm not going to even play with that with primordial goo. Which O lineman will become that dude? Uh I think I mean, I, Broderick Jones, long-term, because I, he's a freak of nature. Amarius Mims, maybe. This mm-hmm. year, I think Tate, Rat, Tate Rat, Ratledge really has a chance to. I don't know. What Tate do you think Rat. about this year? I was going to say Tate Ratledge, man. I, it's such a good name. And that's uh, and I would like to see Amarius Mims play, but just knowing... I, I know he'll play, but I don't think he'll be the dude just yet. I think we have a year before he becomes the dude. Um, just because, you know, we don't want to run him out so soon. Uh, as far as the finite energy that he must possess as a human being, which is not in any way scientific. Uh, Next question. (laughs) Ryan Nelson asks way too early sec power rankings. Okay. Here's what I want to do. I'll I'll give you tiers and then I'll ask you the actual, the the interesting question that this spawned for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ryan, for this question. All right. So my tiers are uh, Alabama, Georgia, pretty big gap, maybe Mm -hmm. small, but gap, right. Then Texas A&M, Small gap, LSU, Auburn, Florida. Probably another gap, Missouri, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And then who am I missing? Probably Mississippi Arizona, State. Vanderbilt. is in that gap. And then another gap, and then you have the bottom, right? So mm-hmm. here's, the, here's the question that this spawned in me. 
which is who is going to have a worse record this year? Year one new coach Vanderbilt or year one new coach USC or uh, Dark Horse, year five old coach Tennessee? Because <laughs> I think those are the bottom three. Um, hmm, that's hard to say. I, hmm, I want to say Tennessee just because I, I want I want it. I want that to happen. But I do think it's probably... Yeah, Tennessee does have a new coach. That's what I thought, but I wasn't... Oh, I forgot. They got... Ha! They fired Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah. That was an off-season <laughs> and I fire. I forgot about it. And then Josh Heupel came, uh, came in and everybody forgot about it. Yeah. Because he was like... Uh, Tennessee hired UCF's coach and UCF was happy. And Jesus God, that makes me... That, like brings me such great joy um sorry new coach tennessee new coach usc new coach vanderbilt i think it might be tennessee tennessee might have the worst schedules yeah who has what what's what's our of those three teams what's the sec west and the non-conference saying schedules because i think that's probably what's going to decide it we're looking at one or two wins so non-conference for tennessee you've got Pitt. oh god Okay, Tennessee's actually Pitt. okay. Pitt, Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech. They play from the West, Ole Miss and Alabama, and then they play South Alabama. The problem is you might beat Ole Miss. No, you're not going to beat Ole Miss. What am I saying? No, I don't think they beat Ole Miss. The problem is you could lose to Pitt, right? West yeah. Vanderbilt's out of conference. Colorado State, pretty bad, but you still might lose to them. Stanford in Vanderbilt, probably going to lose there. And then your pro- your cross division is Mississippi State and Missouri. I think Vanderbilt wins Miss. two games. Or Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Yeah, Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. pretty bad. Yeah, I Mississippi think Mississippi State's not going to be great, but they'll probably beat Vanderbilt. And then they play Stanford and Colorado State. Yeah, yeah, I think they they win yeah, two Vanderbilt. games. Sorry, not yeah. I think Tennessee so wins one, two, maybe three. Yeah, maybe four. South Carolina is like, playing out of the West. Uh, Texas A and M. Uh, and then Auburn. So those are probably both losses. You're going to get waxed like a grease spot on the road by Clemson. <laughs> You're playing Texas in Kyle Field on October 23rd. Uh, Ooh, without any off week before that. It's your last week before your off week. South Carolina is going to probably be... They're going to be East Carolina probably and East Illinois. They're going to beat Troy think, probably. So that's three wins. I was going to say, I think, I think South Carolina loses to Troy. They might. That would be hilarious. What if they lost to East Carolina? They probably won't, but what if they did? Yeah, I don't know, man. It would bring it's hard to joy. say. I think I think Van- Vanderbilt is probably your best bet. Now, the irony of it being that, like, Tennessee in its worst year in, in years, like, gets on a winning streak against Vanderbilt for the first time in years in both teams' worst season in modern memory, that mm-hmm. is my – that would be a real, like, chef's kiss of a – cherry on top all right uh what's our next question here consume the rich what games are you most excited about for this upcoming season i will say uab no uh no question just because it's the very first home game and i have always enjoyed watching blazers games because uh, i like a good cinderella story um and they have One. like one of the the cutest and sweetest cinderella stories they do and they have a very cool mascot they do um, dragons dude cl- that, that was a very CBC answer, and I mm-hmm. appreciate you eating the whole buffalo there. Um, I'm going to say Clemson because that's the first game I'll go to. 
mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. not to like stun on anybody. Pro- I probably, I, I don't know. I hear stun. Sure, had to do it to him. Yeah, I had to floss on him. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, probably Clemson in Florida because, man, I want to beat Florida bad. All right. Dr. Stephen Do- Dornier, when was the last Do- time Do- you were this excited for an upcoming UGA season as you are right now? I was really excited for last season, and I, I might be more excited now. I was really excited for last season before everything changed. Yeah, and I'm, I'm probably more excited. Uh, so this excited? I don't know. I might never have been. What about you? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have been. Yeah, I don't think I have been. All right. <laughs> T- time to be either sweet or weird, depending on how we handle this. We're both month. ways. Uh, what's your favorite aspect about each other? And alternatively, since you like how horny this Discord is, uh, what's the best feature of the other host? I, I'll, I'll answer this question. And I okay. think these are both kind of these are similar reasons. There's an old Family Guy bit mm-hmm. where Bill where Clinton sleeps with Lois Griffin, <laughs> and then Peter goes over to Bill Clinton's house to like tell him off for like cuckolding him. And then there's like smash cut to Peter and Bill in like the bed afterwards. And, uh-huh. and Peter's like, man, you were good at this. <laughs> uh, and Justin has like a really kind of like, like oblique con man kind of charisma to him. Um, it's not like my favorite thing about him. I'm just saying like, in terms of just like sexiest, like, Justin is the kind of guy who, if he wanted to, and he would never do this because he's a perfect gentleman, uh, who could like, you'd meet him and you'd be like, man, this guy's really, you know, pretty cool. We're enjoying talking to each other. And then you're just like, the next morning he's making you an omelet and you're like, how did we get here? Uh, <laughs> That's pretty outstanding. And I, I okay, if, if you want a real answer, uh, the real answer is that Justin is a, a very kind person who is a way better listener than I am a talker. And that is basically why the show works. We fill each other's gaps um, yeah. in a very Sometimes wholesome way. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. I, I, my, one of my favorite things about Nathan is the, the wealth of knowledge you have about you. Well, actually this leads me to another thing that I really enjoy about you is that you, you, you take things that are seemingly at first glance, like useless knowledge and you make it really interesting. And I think that's a quality of, uh, it could be, you know, something that was already within you before you became a teacher. It could be something that was there and you've kind of nurtured over time and, um, it's become stronger and more, you know, you've sharpened the, the, the educational blade, so to speak. I don't know which came first, but, um, (laughs) well, you had premarital sex. I studied the blade. Uh, exactly. See, you get it. Um, I mastered blockchain. <laughs> that's. I think that's Sorry, one of ahead. my favorite go things ahead. about you. Um, I appreciate yeah. it. That's very sweet. And the best feature? Hmm. I do think you have a very strong, like, your brow line's very strong and very, very good. Very good brow line. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. In, in a world in a world of Anthony Davis, my, my brow line really sells. Like, he's really been doing... He's really Anthony Davis has been doing the Lord's work for those of us with like uh, sort of like Pangea style tectonic plate brows, you know, mm-hmm. and I really respect that. <laughs> um, um, Brian Clark question. Do you think any of the coordinators get hired away after this season? I think Todd Munkin might go to the NFL, man. Go back to say it. 
You really think he'd go back? I think he might. I think if he has a good year, I mean, can you see him doing like that? Uh, so like Joe Brady like uh, style. I mean, Joe Brady had never been in the NFL, so you know, just he left the NFL because he wasn't calling plays, and his whole coaching staff got fired. Yeah. It does not seem to me that he left the NFL because he just didn't want to ever be in the NFL again. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I have there have been sort of people sniffing around Dan Lanning. Um, I think the guy most likely to leave next year is Glenn Schumann. We've talked about it on this podcast before, but it's kind of a, a poorly kept secret that Glenn Schumann is, I, I think in many ways, like the heir apparent to Kirby Smart, not in terms of like he'll be the next guy to get the UGA job, but he is like Kirby Smart's Kirby Smart, as mm-hmm. Nick Saban was to Kirby Smart. So um, if Lanning goes, I think Schumann is, I, I think that the coaching search is like a day long. Like yeah. if Lanning takes into the job, I think Schumann's probably the the defensive coordinator like the next day. Um, but I also know that everything I've read is that people outside of Georgia know how good Schumann is and are absolutely after him. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think it's pretty likely. I mean, it's just kind of part of the program. You got to just hope that the that you pick someone who can continue doing what he does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you can do that, then, you know, you're, you're in good shape. All right. Uh, last question. Oh, yes. second last question from Kyle Sargent. Which of your personal habits or routines are currently in the off season? Um, my personal habits. Um, it has been really difficult not to wear athleisure anymore. Like I've been, I've had to go to some speaking mm, things. Yeah, I had to go to some answer. things where I had to look a certain way, and uh, I am not quite ready for that. It's been the off season for quite some time. I also increased my, uh, my very my you know my well fitted shorts and uh, hoodie selection quite a bit over mm-hmm. the last several months. So that's where I'm at still. Yeah. What um, about you? I would, I I was doing a really good job of using my water pick twice a day. <laughs> my like water flosser and the i have 30 really something answer that. i have, uh, I have puffy pill. gums mm-hmm. and i and i do the best that i can to do, get by so i've been <laughs> using a water pick since pre-30s because i'm a man with puffy gums um anyway i think that's gonna be it this has been chapel bell curve if you liked what you heard here tonight you can find us on twitter at chapelbellcurve.com you can find us on youtube at chapel bell curve or facebook or not yet tiktok but i'm gonna go i'm gonna try to reserve that tiktok name tonight um if you really loved what you heard here tonight you can leave us a review on spotify or apple podcast or any any fine podcast that you would so like to frequent you could also if you really really like it throw us a couple of bucks on the patreon get access to a very good discord of very good people I am going to go ahead and say this out loud right now so that we can like incept it into an, an into existence. People are saying we are going to have a physical meetup of people all of say, our Oh, patrons. we should actually do that. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm saying people are saying because I'm saying it and I want it to happen. People um, have said it. So you can find that Patreon at patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. It is uh, your one-stop shop to support us. Give a little money. We're going to continue doing some charity stuff. You can give as little as $1, and it gets you access to a very great community. And folks, we will catch you on whatever day the UAB game is in the Classic City. Yep. Or if you see me in downtown Athens and I'm hugging someone, just come or on at and the join meetup. Or at the meetup. But until then, go, go dogs. dogs.